Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I've purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. Today, my guest is John Barker, who farms at Forts Ferry Farm. John spearheads the leadership and strategic planning of the agricultural department. During the week, you can find him helping the field team with planting, weeding, and harvests, selling fresh produce at the local farmer's market, or coordinating and facilitating educational opportunities for youths in the community through tours, demonstrations, and workshops. John's been working on his family's farm from a young age and also as a professional chef for much of his adult life, which gives him a unique perspective on how to grow and prepare food. Welcome to the podcast, John. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So you also, you know, has a Culinary Institute of America uh, degree or your alumni from there. Right. Yeah, I uh, graduated from the, uh, they call it the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America in 2006. Uh, that's also where I met my uh, my wife Emma. Um, okay, she she's a co-owner with the farm as well as my my younger brother James. Um, the three of us uh, kind of uh, have our each of our leadership uh, parts of the farm. I, I head up the agriculture side. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife Emma she heads up the uh, food and uh, prepared food side, mm-hmm. and my brothers in the creative um, design, uh, marketing, um, part of the business. So very cool. Now talk us through a little bit of, uh, what your farm produces. So we are currently growing about uh, just over 200 varieties of produce and culinary herbs. And this year we're doing about 90 varieties of, uh, flowers, cut flowers. Okay. The size of our farms, we, we, we grow in about three acres total. That includes our, our two greenhouses, um, our main vegetable plot, and our small orchard that we just started this year. Okay. So talk us through what's in the orchard. Uh, well, we just started uh, some pears, peaches, uh, plums, and cherry trees. About okay. 40 total trees. So it's a small orchard. Uh, here in New York, there's a lot of apple orchards, so we didn't do any apples. We're going to try to do something different. Yeah. Um, we also have some raspberries and blackberries as well. Absolutely. So share with us a little bit about the climate you're in, because you're in New York, New York, but that's a pretty big state. So remind folks about like what the growing conditions are like. Yeah. Um, it's New York is, you know, uh, I'm, I'm originally from Ohio. Uh, prime growing uh, uh-huh. country there. Um, so coming up to New York, it's I think zone 4B. We're just north of Albany, uh, kind of between Albany and Saratoga. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, we have pretty long winters up here. So usually six months out of the year, we've got winter or at least potential for snow. Uh, yeah, snow from let's say October to May. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's not unusual. Uh, this year it's been really kind to us, but yeah, we always keep that in the back of our minds. Uh, luckily we've got uh, two pretty large greenhouses that are heated. And so mm-hmm. we grow year round in there. Um, so, yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. I mean, that's exactly where we were growing. We were growing um, well, Granville, which is a little bit North of Saratoga, but we were in Saratoga a lot down the Albany frequently. Um yeah. So what brought you to the farm you're on now? I mean, because you're obviously have a background as a chef. What made you want to farm? Yeah. So um, as I was saying earlier, I, I met um, Emma at culinary school uh, back in 2006. Uh, after graduating, I worked in restaurants. I uh, Every restaurant I worked in, it seems like I, on the weekends, I would go and uh, volunteer on any local farms. I always just wanted to get my hands mm-hmm. in produce and, and growing things. Um, and uh, let's see, after I moved back 
to Ohio after graduating. I actually moved to New York City to work for Emma um, at her restaurant uh, down in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Okay. Um, worked there for uh, a few years and volunteered at Stone Barns there in uh, just north of New York City. Mm-hmm. And also a few years went by after that. Uh, we eventually moved out to Hawaii, actually. Okay. Uh, and uh, for a couple of years, we lived there and decided to move back to Albany, where she is originally from. Uh, her folks had uh, just purchased a new house and had this acreage right next door to their house um, that had been farmed for a long, long time. You know, the, I think the original farmhouse dated back to the 1840s, something mm-hmm. in there. Um, so it's been a farm, farm for a long time. Uh, the people that we purchased it from, uh, it was kind of a hobby farm. Their main, okay. their main business was gravel. So actually, uh, uh, we've got 23 acres of tillable land um, that they grew corn on just kind of as a hobby. And then we have about 80 acres of woods that they would harvest uh, gravel out of. Uh, that was their main business. Um, so when we got it in 2015, uh, it was kind of, it wasn't professionally managed at all. It was kind of, kind of worn out and, uh, didn't look great. So, uh, the first couple of years we spent a lot of cover cropping and, uh, amendments and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so, Talk a little bit about the, the marketing you guys are doing too, because I know you do a couple different um, avenues for that. Yeah, we've uh, we, we a, a lot of our marketing's gone through um, Instagram, Facebook, a lot of those free channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother heads all of that up. Uh, we also do a lot of ads. We, we've done like billboards. We've done ads in the local newspaper. Um, we our our main goal is to get as many people to through to to the farm as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to get as many people in that gate because uh, where we're located is actually in the middle of a suburban neighborhood called um, Latham. Yep, yep. We're, we're actually surrounded by twenty six neighbors. Like their backyard is the farm. Um, so it's pretty unique. Most farms around here, you have to go at least 20 minutes outside of town to, to get to a farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we're trying to do here is, uh, grow, grow some really high quality produce. Um, and then also cook with a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, my, my wife, Emma, she, she heads up the culinary program. We do pizzas, salads, uh, sandwiches, uh, a lot of different baked goods um, and value-added products uh, mm-hmm. with, all, with all of our produce. And um, so, yeah, we're just trying to get as many people in the gate as we possibly can and have a good time and, and teach them about uh, farming and food and get everybody excited about that kind of stuff. Again. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm on your website and I'm geeking out about your salsa. Is it uh, matcha? Yeah. Um, Okay. Tell me a little bit about like some of these, these products. Yeah. So um, having our culinary background gave us a real big advantage into how we could turn a lot of this stuff into, um, you know, chili powders, salsa, mm-hmm. tomato sauces, things like that. Um, and so we actually, we, we are, some of our chili powders uh, is, is like a single variety uh, chili that we grow on the farm. Uh, we're not certified organic, but we don't use any chemical sprays or any, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we grow the chilies, we dry them, we toast them, we grind them, we jar them, we design the label and everything. So the only thing we don't do with, their, with our chili powder is make the jars and the lids themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a pretty unique and very a cool product and it's nothing like you'll ever find in, mm-hmm. in a grocery store. Who are you using for the labels? Because that's like a transparent label, pretty much. Yeah, we just we just went online and, and found uh, that was a you know a little bit of a learning curve figuring out you know how do we print these things? Where do we get where do we get these mm-hmm. labels? Um, but we yeah, we find we find all that kind of stuff online. We we designed them all of our, uh, all in house, which mm-hmm. I think is pretty unique and interesting. Yeah, like on Canva. 
Yeah. Very cool. Um, so then do you grow a specific chili for this? Yeah. So the, the specific variety is called Leutschauer. It's a Hungarian uh, variety mm. of chili and it's grown for paprika, uh, smoked paprika in, in Hungary. And we've grown it as, actually from our very first year. We, there's only about 10 varieties that we carry on each year that, that we love so much. And the Leutschauer pepper is definitely one of them. Um, and it, it makes a delicious paprika, like a little bit goes a long way. It's, it's, All it's right. a, now I'm, how do you spell that? Cause I'm trying to find that. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a tough one. <laughs> Let me give it my best shot here. Okay. L E U T S C H A U E R. Yep. Yeah. Got it. And I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right either. I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's better than I would ever do it. So I see like rare seeds carries it, especially yeah. produce carries it. All right. I think it's too late to get any production this year, even here in Ohio, but I'm going to put it on my to-do list for next year. Cause we're always looking yeah. for good chilies. So. Yeah. So yeah. we started out old. We strictly were growing heirloom seeds uh, mm -hmm. the first couple of years um, before we, we didn't have any uh, uh, employees at the time. We didn't have any barn or greenhouses. We didn't have water uh, mm -hmm. or any utilities. It was pretty, pretty wild, but uh, yeah, the, um, we, we, we loved Baker Creek and all of the heirloom seeds that they carried. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, Emma and myself with our culinary backgrounds, we wanted to grow produce that we were excited about cooking with. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the farms around here, a lot, a lot of the farm stands are kind of growing all the same stuff at that time. You know, green beans, sweet corn, uh, red tomatoes. Like we wanted to, we wanted to bring some more excitement uh, and flavor to uh, mm. To, to all the farm stands. So, yeah. All right. Walk me through the drying of it too. Do you have like a big air dryer or just like, um, like just, uh, the cone dryers or. We actually invested in a, uh, like a cabinet, uh, dehumidifier, kind of a, uh, dehydrator. Yeah. Um, and we kind of do it in batches. We also have two ovens that we found does, does a really good job if we don't turn the oven on at all and you just ah. run, run the convection uh, cycle in it overnight and it ah. just dehydrates them that way. It's actually a lot faster than the dehydrator. So tell me why you think that works better. Is it the speed of the air? Yeah, I think it is probably the speed of the air and it, it gets to about uh, between 100 and 110 degrees um, when, yep. when you have the pilot light on and, and you're running the convection. Uh -huh. Yeah, so kind of ideal. It's it's uh, low heat, but it's uh, a lot of air moving through it. Yeah, interesting. Because I've got an old, I've actually got two that don't work. Um, old uh, double door stainless steel fridges. Actually, mm -hmm. one's a freezer. I I paid a boatload for, and then literally didn't work. So I spent a boatload of money trying to fix it, and then it still didn't work. So I was thinking of taking that cabinet and going ahead and using that for a dehydrator, um, and just putting a big fan in there. And yeah. maybe actually a little bit of a little dehydrator might be nice in there too. Just a regular like dehumidifier, like just get right. a, like a small dehumidifier. That dehumidifier is going to get out some heat as it's being. Yeah. Anyway, I've thought yeah, of that. I just haven't flow. had a chance to mess with it. Yeah. yeah. Air, airflow. But I mean, we already had the ovens because we, yeah. we have all, you know, uh, uh, kitchen here in the barn itself. And so we just use that and it, it works out great. Mm. All right. So let's kind of have that circulation. Yeah. Talk me through a little bit about the kitchen too. Is that like a certified 20 C kitchen or. Oh, I wish I could tell you right off the top of my head. It is, it, it is certified. I don't know exactly. We, we, we have a, uh, we have a hood in there. Exhaust mm -hmm. hood. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly. The, All right. But it's got some certification, which I'm assuming for what you're trying to do is going to be that 20 C. Uh, yeah, it probably de is. Yeah. Yep. Delineation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm checking out your overhead here for the farm. Nice. Yeah. You are right in the middle of everything. Yeah. It's, it's a really amazing location. It was about to be uh, probably a hundred homes in there. Uh, yeah. But luckily, we were able to uh, scoop it up and keep it farmland. Ooh, that's awesome! That is so awesome. I've been through Latham many times. Oh, awesome! 
Yeah, yeah. We would come there because we would sell into the, um, there's Albany. Yeah. Duh, doesn't Latham have like a co-op? No, it's not Latham. That's above. We used to come down through Latham and I'm trying to remember it was the, we obviously sold to Honest Weight. We sold a lot, a lot of food to Honest Weight, but I'm just trying to remember, was it the Colony Co-op? There was another like, um, or like independent grocery store. There are so many yeah. uh, stores in this area. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's one kind of more towards Saratoga. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we did sell at one point, we did sell to, um, we did sell to, uh, not the, uh, the, uh, the fancy grocery store in Saratoga. It was in Burlington and then it came to Saratoga. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, just, I'm, I am just forgetting the name on that one, but Schenectady, we sold it to Schenectady co-op as well. Oh Yeah. Yeah, so we would do the delivery run would be Schenectady down into Albany to to um, the Honest Weight and then back up to the market up there. So right through Latham, but very, cool. very awesome. Yeah, and you and guys you're, are you're actually from Ohio. You're you're in Ohio now. Yeah, we're in Southwest Ohio. So where in Ohio were you born, or did you were you raised? Yeah, I was uh, raised in uh, Champaign County, so just okay. north of Dayton. Yeah, kind of east of Piqua. Oh my gosh. Yep. I know exactly where I've been picked many times. St. <laughs> so, Harris. Yeah. Harris is the name of the town. Yeah. Small town of uh, about 2000 people. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, we kind of just swept, switched places. <laughs> Almost. That's wild. Yeah. So what's your soil like there? It's really great farm, uh, uh, agricultural soil. It's, it's a sandy loam, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, we get some sandy patches like up, up near our orchard actually is some sand and uh, in, in our, our pasture fields, we, we get little patches of sand, but most of it's loamy, uh, mm-hmm. really well draining, but also holds water really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been really good to us. Mm-hmm. Now, did you put in the, the kitchen yourselves from the start? Was it actually a building or did you build it from the ground up? Yeah, so... When we first got here, it was just an open field. There was wow. nothing here. So we, we put in the perimeter road. We put in a, 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 a deer fence around the perimeter, mm-hmm. the deer out. Um, we put in the, the three greenhouses, the barn, um, and yeah, everything else that you probably see on there. The compost station is pretty cool. It's yep. an O2 compost uh, station. Um, Very cool. That yeah. really- is, is awesome to use. Yeah, you put in a fair amount of infrastructure here. Um, yeah. And then you got your farm shop, which is really cool. Is that like a shipping container or is that built from the ground up? Yeah, so that's actually a shed that we had purchased from okay. the side of the road off the side of the highway. And we had it delivered. Um, and every year we kind of add to it and mm-hmm. <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit of it creeps out, but it is still a shed uh, for all intents and purposes. Um, yeah. So no foundation or anything. Um, and yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. Where he says grows by the inch dies by the foot delicate planting area. Please keep off, man. That's, I love that sign. Thanks, yeah, it's, it's kind of the uh, downside to inviting a lot of people on the farm They're, I mean, they're literally enjoying their food mm-hmm. less than a hundred feet from the edge of uh, where we grow everything. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, very cool. But we also try to have people not go in the field unless they are guided by a, an employee. Yeah. 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 We, um, we do a lot of you pick strawberries. So we, I think we had 3000 people come to the farm this spring for over 3000 people. Wow. So, um, yeah, but that's a really good sign. They, they were really respectful. I have to say we charged for the tickets for them to come out. So mm-hmm. it was only a buck, but it seemed to just be enough money to, weed out the people that really don't care about a farm and we're just coming out for free free berries to, to take from the field so yeah for sure anyway yeah we're yeah, we, we we give actually weekly farm tours every mm. saturday at noon um so we really encourage people to 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 get into it and 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 learn about what we grow and how we grow um but uh, sometimes you'll get kids that want to run in there and, you know, start pulling stuff out. We have such a small growing space that 
we mm. were very protective of it. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Um, walk us through a little bit, you know, your, your chef background, it's allowed you to grow some, some different crops. Like you just talked to me about the, the, the paprika pepper. Um, what other ones are your favorites? Jeez. Yeah. I, I mean, I love growing peppers. They, they always do really well here. We, we grow, we've grown up to, I think, 20 different varieties one year. Mm. Uh, love growing them. Uh, some other ones that I love. I mean, obviously the tomatoes are always fun. Uh, we grow them only in our greenhouse. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got a 144 foot by 34 foot greenhouse. And uh, we've got eight beds in there. So we get around 700 tomato plants in there. Mm. Um, uh, so tomatoes are great. I love growing potatoes as well. It's probably one of my favorite things that we grow. Mm. Um, this year we're growing five different varieties of potatoes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, th- those are probably my favorites. Talk me through your favorite tomatoes. What's been really successful for you? Uh, one that we grow every single year is called Costaludo Genovese, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a it's beautiful. You, you can eat it uh, raw. It also makes for a really great sauce, um, and it's kind of got that accordion kind of wrinkles. On yes. The yep. We did orange accordion this year from uh, I think it's Rare Seeds or or Baker Creek, and I'm super excited about that. They're starting to size up right now, so they're not they're not ready yet, but um, but. That one, that Costanito, I've definitely done that in the past. And that's such a fun one. I love that one. And then one that actually is a true family heirloom is one that it's called Pat Johnson's dad's tomato. So (laughs) one of my uh, family friends, uh, his good friend, Pat Johnson, his dad grew this tomato. Mm -hmm. And so they've been keeping the seed. And two years ago, um, uh, their, their name's Doug and Maggie Schmidt. They came to visit the farm. Uh, from Ohio, and they brought us those seeds. And ever since then, we're, we've been uh, growing That's them. Awesome. And keeping the yeah. seeds. So we're going to keep that heirloom going. Yeah, we did one called, uh, we have one called Carlisle Gold, which is, it was again, as somebody locally here brought me some plants and was like, hey, I've got this. And so we grew it out and it was very tasty. It was late. It was a big orange tomato, but it was very tasty. So now we're growing it out and people are coming and asking for it. So, yeah, I love, I love seeds and, and, and vegetables with stories mm. to them. You know, I, I just, yeah. Love yeah. So talk us through like your, your, you do a year round too, correct? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so usually by October, uh, we'll clear out the tomato house and, and start getting it ready for our winter plantings. Uh, we do, we do mostly winter greens. Don't we, we've tried doing carrots and those types of things in there. Uh, we find that that greens are definitely our most profitable and mm-hmm. they work the best in there. So like all of the different types of kale, Swiss chard, spinach, um, Amara is really, I don't know if you've ever grown Amara. Uh, that's like a mustard green. Mm. I love that. Uh, yeah, we, we grow some really big mustard greens too in there. Um, yeah. And how do you like to use the mustard greens? Are you cooking those? Are you asking people to eat them raw? Uh, the, the big, the, the, I think they're called, I forget the name of the specific variety uh, off the top of my head, but um, the, the Amara is a smaller mm-hmm. mustard green and it's really good in salads. You can add it to your salad mix to kind of give it a little texture, a little bit of flavor. Uh, but that's also really good cook too. You can, you can cook it just like you would kale or something like that. Uh, it is definitely my favorite green that we grow. Mm. I got, mm. got like a garlicky flavor. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. And I see you also have a, um, a walk-in freezer that you can store a bunch of stuff in as well. Yeah. So it's another tool in our tool chest of like, mm-hmm. how do we, how do we keep, these delicious tomatoes or peppers uh, all winter long. Um, so we found that we can do batch freezings of uh, cherry tomatoes or mm-hmm. uh, we'll process our peppers and, and freeze them. And then, you know, we pull them out, cook with them and they're just just like they were uh, six months ago. It's mm-hmm. really, really cool thing, so. And then you're also doing like salads to go. Is that something you're doing that goes right to the market or people pick them up the farm? So yeah, we're open Thursday, Friday, Saturday from noon to six currently. Okay. Uh, and so during those hours, we open the farm stand 
and we offer uh, salads to go, pizza by the slice, and uh, with our own tomato sauce, which is really cool, mm-hmm. and uh, sandwiches, and, to, and some different baked goods as well. Very cool. Now, with the um, this tomato sauce, is what varieties are you putting in that? Is that that Costo, um, that one, or are you using any other tomato varieties? So we've, in, in the past, we've tried some different blends because we're trying to utilize everything you know we don't mm-hmm. put anything in the compost pile if we can't if we can't help it uh so in the past we've tried using a blend and trying to figure that out and it's never quite right like just some of those tomatoes that you put in there are just not meant for sauce and that's okay so mm-hmm. yeah for, for our tomato sauce we we grow like the roma the amish mm-hmm. pigs, and the costaludos for our sauce costaludos okay yeah. very cool yeah this yeah one of our projects is a food truck, a pizza food truck. Um, and so, um, it's not going to happen until next year. I've got too many projects on my plate, but it is going to happen. And, uh, uh, we're, I'm trying to start thinking about sauce right now. So we did a bunch of Samazanos and we had some Amish paste out there. Um, we even tried one from rare seeds called cream sausage. It's a white. So we got it in the greenhouse. It's gonna, it's gonna ripen here shortly. Um, and speckled Roman, we did some speckled Romans too. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited about those, seeing what those look like when they come out. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty yeah, excited about that. About the Costa Ludo is the really great A ones you can mm-hmm. sell for slicing. Um, and then the ones that are kind of too gnarly or maybe they're too small or mm-hmm. people don't want them, perfect for sauce. Whereas the, I found like the San Marzano, uh, San, San Marzano or the, the paint mm-hmm. type, um, you know, they're really only good for sauce. I, li- I like kind of like the flexibility of. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I'm going to have to add it to my, to plant next year. That's awesome. Um, let's talk about your marketing here. So I know you're doing some social media, your photography on your page is fabulous. And I'm assuming, is that you say that your brother does that? Yeah. So he's got an art background. He's a mm. ceramic artist. Um, and so we brought him on the farm back in 2017. Yeah. Um, right after my, my, my son was born, we knew we needed some help and uh, he's a hard worker and, and uh, really a creative guy. So we brought him on in 2017 um, as one of our really first employees and, mm-hmm. and then brought him onto the leadership team uh, just soon after that. And we wanted him to, to, um, to head up all, all of our uh, graphics and our design mm-hmm. um, and marketing and things like that. So he's, he's been taking that bull by the horns and, and running with it, so. Mm, yeah, I've been looking through your page, just the, that aesthetic is just you telling right there and it looks great. Um, lock us through a little bit about what you, you sell the Troy Farmer's Market still? Yes. Yep. So do you use that as like to pull people to the farm or you just realize that's its own um, like uh, profit center for you? Both really. I mean, okay. our, the main, the main reason that we joined it is to sell as much produce as we possibly can there. And it's mm-hmm. a tremendous, it's a, it's an amazing market. Uh, I yes. think one of the best in the country. Um, uh, they get a lot of, a lot of people rolling through there and they are professional market shoppers mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, uh, mm-hmm. and, and some really great farms that, that join it. So yes, you got uh, some great competition there. Yeah. It, it's, it's an awesome market. If anybody's ever in the area, please check it out. Uh, but the other upside is, you know, when you have those thousands and thousands of people walking through this market, we can cross promote, uh, we have flyers, we have, um, matchbooks that we have personalized with with everything so we always oh very cool hand out kind of cross promotional stuff again to like encourage people to come to the farm and um yeah very cool very cool hey thriving farmers do you know that you are already standing on the key to bigger yields and better profits to help maximize your yield and profit potential look beyond the standard fertility options Choose Ultra by AgriGrow. Ultra is an OMRI-listed soil prebiotic technology designed to develop the native microorganisms in your soil. AgriGrow's prebiotic technologies are engineered with the users in mind. Ultra is easy to use and has great tank mixing abilities that won't clog or mess up sprayers or injectors. It also does not require refrigeration like many other probiotic formulas available on the market. In December of 2020, I was introduced to AgriGrow. At first, I was a skeptic, but I was able to check out their production facility and meet the owners and staff. This company is great. 
Over the last year and a half, I've run several different trials using their products and I'm really impressed with the results that I see. I've seen my soil texture improve during cultivation. I've seen decade-old heirloom corn germinate for the first time. My $6 cost of Ultra boosted my strawberry fields dramatically. AgriGrow is offering a 10% discount to all thriving farmer listeners. Simply use the coupon code THRIVE when you check out at smallfarm.solutions. Again, that is T-H-R-I-V-E for a 10% off discount on your first order. What about your, uh, so like the prepared foods, I see you doing that. We talked a little bit about that. Are you growing specifically for that? Is it one of those things where, you know, whatever you have, you just use, is it a combination of the two? How have you kind of like developed that program? Yeah, it, it kind of, ideally we would do a lot more planning and okay. figure out exactly the stuff that we want to grow uh, sp- specifically for those value added products. We haven't really taken the time to, to do that yet, um, just because it does take so much time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we usually start working on our crop plan in November of the previous mm. year, you know, so and try to get seeds ordered by no later than middle to late December. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can imagine it's hard to plan as a chef uh, that far ahead. Um, that's one of the things that we, we learned early on when we first started growing, we really wanted to grow chef quality produce. We wanted to work with chefs, work with restaurants because we have that background. Um, but we also understand that chefs don't want to play in that far ahead, you know, months mm-hmm. and months ahead. So, um, so really a lot of our stuff, it's, it's like uh, still really culinary focused uh, produce. Um, and then we, we, we give it to the kitchen team um, and they turn, they, they, they do their magic with it. Mm-hmm. So ideally, maybe in the future, we'll figure out a, a, a way to, to plan ahead that far. But uh, currently, no, it's, it's kind of uh, on a whim. Yeah. But I mean, with your background in culinary, it's just like, well, you know, I could do this with this with this. And it just turns into something awesome, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the, the main thing is flavor. We want it to, mm-hmm. to taste as good as possible. Um, the second thing is, you know, you want to, when you put it out on a plate, you want it to look beautiful. So you want to get as many different shapes and colors, um, on that plate as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those are the really important things to a chef for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you have a big team too. talk to us through kind of like what it's been like to build that team and, uh, to just, uh, you know, build a cohesive group of folks that are all working on the same thing together. Yeah. Um, so in 2018, we, we first started hiring. Uh, that's, you know, like I said, just after my son was born. And so we knew we needed some help. Uh, and we started hiring people that just kind of didn't, didn't really have any um, uh, business plan uh, set in, in place per se. Uh, we certainly didn't have like a mission, vision and values at that point. It was just like, we're growing stuff. We need help, you know. And we found that that was really hard to maintain because we just had to hire new people every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, weren't, we didn't really know the type of people that would work well for us. Mm-hmm. We didn't have it in writing. So um, actually, the, the winter of 2019, uh, Emma, myself, and, and my brother James uh, sat down and we established our mission, vision, and values uh, mm. statements. Um, we brought on an HR team actually to help us like find the, the right type of employees that would fit well with us. And that was one of the biggest, uh, things that we've ever done as a business, um, mm-hmm. establishing and understanding the, the type of people that work well here. Um, and, and, and that fit in with our values. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what did that process then look like? Do you going out and putting out specific job announcements for specific types of people or when people came in, you just knew how to then select what you could realize would work based on, you know, interacting with those applicants? Um, yeah. So it was really, uh, once you establish that, that core mission, vision values, then mm-hmm. you, you can totally communicate that with the, uh, potential candidate, um, mm-hmm. And, you know, some people aren't into the same stuff that we're really passionate about, and that's fine. But, uh, uh, yeah, since we had Im- implemented that, we have an awesome, awesome team of absolute professionals 
Um, you know, as far on the farm side, I can speak to that. Uh, my, my farm team, uh, my farm manager, Ivana, is, is a professional farmer. She went to school for this. I did not. Mm-hmm. Um, she knows how to gather data and sub spreadsheets where I was just doing the stuff on a, on a notepad, uh, mm-hmm. drawing out the, the farm and the field and, and writing in names and, and things like that, where she's doing it all on a computer. She is absolutely brilliant. Um, and then Sarah, uh, she, she's also a, far, a field worker. Uh, she heads up uh, all of our flower uh, program mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also our microgreen production. Um, and then we've got uh, two seasonal uh, openings um, uh, for, for people that, w- that do want to work seasonally. Um, and there's always potential there to work, uh, work year-round as well. Mm-hmm. If it's fit. So with that, and then obviously you have the complete kitchen side of that. How many people are in the kitchen? So the kitchen crew, and uh, I, I kind of fold in the kitchen and retail um, mm-hmm. space. Because they are the, you know, uh, we've got Emma, Shannon, Matt, uh, Dylan, and uh, Sean as our kitchen team. So it's five, five total in the kitchen and in front of the house, kind of back of the house. Uh, mm-hmm. combined. Um, and yeah, so uh, we've got Sean who focuses on, on baking and pastries. So mm-hmm. we do like cookies and breads and all these uh, uh, really cool, unique, amazing, uh, baking program. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Matt and Dylan are, are in the culinary side, the savory side, uh, developing all the, all the cool, uh, foods out of there. And then Shannon kind of, uh, is a, is a public interface. So she, she, she runs the retail portion of the, uh, of the farm stand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm here at a post. I think it's, uh, October 29th, and you're showing a picture of a pizza that's got fresh basil on the top. I don't know if it's parsley on the top or maybe cilantro. Um, I think some onions, uh, some, um, grilled onions or, oh my gosh, this thing looks amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) this is, this is dangerous. Now I want pizza for dinner. (laughs) Pizza, but it's very, you know, a a lot of it is produce, you know, yeah focus when, when we have it so so do you have a, a a pizza oven or like a how do you how do you cook the pizzas on the at the location yeah, so last year actually we kind of just did it um kind of came to us accidentally we're like let's cook pizzas this weekend and we had uh-huh. a little uh, outdoor uh, wood-fired pizza oven but it was only about four feet wide you can only yeah maybe three pizzas in there max at a time um but we ran with that and it did really well people people loved it Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we, we knew we had something there. So, uh, going into the winter, we knew that we wouldn't be able to necessarily be cooking out of this wood fired pizza when it's you know, yeah. freezing, obviously. Uh, so we changed, changed up the style of pizza. Now it's more of a, uh, like a focaccia based dough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so it's, it's sheet, uh, sheet tray size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we cut it into squares and we, we do it by the slice. So it's a different uh-huh. style than, than the wood fired, but uh, people really like it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about the starting the farm. Cause I know starting farms is always a challenge and um, there's, you know, not moving pieces, trying to figure things out. Talk us through that, that process. What was that like? It was insane. Actually, mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, luckily, through my connections that I made um, volunteering at Stone Barns, um, I was put in touch with uh, an amazing farmer. His name's Zach Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I he, know Zach. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, I've met him. I mean, it's not like we're f- really close friends, but yeah, he and I have. Yeah, I, I know who he is, and we've met before. Yeah, so um, we we kind of contacted him and and used him uh, as a consultant to kind of help mm-hmm. us. It started here because it was a big time learning curve. Uh, we knew, you know, with my background growing up on a farm, I knew how to operate a tractor and prepare the ground. Um, you know, my, my mom always had uh, vegetable gardens growing up. So I knew how to basically start seeds, but I needed to mm-hmm. like scale it up. So um, we brought Zach 
on as a consultant to kind of get us get us started. And it was hugely beneficial, just like understanding um, how to how to design irrigation, how like where do where do I get equipment? What kind of equipment do I need for this this scale mm-hmm. of farming? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was hugely beneficial um, to help us kind of get started growing stuff. But then beyond that, we I had to really understand uh, that I'd never built a barn, raised a barn before, or mm-hmm. or worked with you know bringing utilities onto the farm, digging wells. Uh, or drilling wells. Uh, so that whole thing was a huge learning uh, curve, mm-hmm. uh, working, working with architects and designers and uh, builders and all that was um, a huge learning curve. And actually growing vegetables was way easier than all of that stuff. <laughs> yes. The vegetables is yeah. the easy part. Yeah. Talk us through uh, putting a new well in. That's always, um, always a challenge sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we knew we needed water. Okay. So, mm-hmm. uh, we, uh, so we, we, we contacted a, a local well driller that came out. We told him this is where we we're growing produce. And so ideally the well should be really close to this. Mm. And he, okay. No problem. So he starts drilling, uh, gets 20 feet down, gets uh, bedrock. Uh, it's comes up and a lot of it's like that black shale. It's called mm-hmm. black shale. And, um, couldn't find much water. Uh, so he kept going another hundred feet, another hundred feet. Finally, we go down a uh, 500 feet, uh, this for our first well, and only could get about a gallon and a half per minute. Uh, the well, the well driller said, you know, just exercise the pump. Maybe it'll start to flow more. Oh so, gosh. Uh, and at that time we didn't have electricity on the farm. So I, I got a generator out there pumping this well, uh, yeah. a couple of times a week. Um, and still after a few months of that, still no more, um, no more water than about a gallon and a half, maybe two gallons a minute, which is just, wow. just not enough. What was the total depth they went down? Uh, 520 feet. So 500 feet of, of, uh, shale. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Not good. Not so, but that, was, that was a huge learning experience. And, and I understand now that, you know, once you get into that Hudson Valley black shale, yeah. it's really going to be hard to find cracks and fractures in that, in that type of um, uh, rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I probably should have stopped at about <laughs> the first. Yeah. yeah. Were you uh, pained by the foot? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that was yeah. like 5,000 5, bucks, but. So, uh, so then did you drill another well? How'd you, cause I mean, you need more than one, one and a half gallons a minute. Yeah. So after that, um, the good thing was we did have 500 feet of, uh, of a well. So, I mean, that's a pretty good amount of water. I don't know how many gallons. Yeah. Storage. Um, yeah. Good storage. Um, but eventually actually the, the well had collapsed in on after exercising it. Yeah. Uh, the well collapsed in on the, uh, uh, on the pump. Oh, wow. Didn't retrieve it. So I kind of gave up on that whole idea of being frustrated with, 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 with that. And we actually use uh, municipal water. Okay. Now, do you have a specific uh, commercial tap? Are you paying by the gallon? Uh, pay the pay, uh, we pay by the gallon, but a lot of our stuff, um, like I said, we, we do use drip irrigation mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. And we use uh for part of our field, we use um, a bed shaper mulch layer that lays down the, the black biodegradable plastic film. Uh-huh. Uh, so that really helps. And like I said, our soil really is, it does, does a good job of holding water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't, we, the, the water bill actually, you'd be really surprised. It's pretty nominal, all things in. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Um, yeah. I know the challenges of we, when we had upstate and we were up at upstate, we drilled 700 feet it was the dry hole they fracked it they got five gallons a minute and that helped but it still was really challenging um yeah, yeah. but um yeah, yeah that yeah coming from the midwest i'd never even i you know how i don't know yeah. it's easy to find water there uh but it's a different t- totally different type of uh, stone i guess yeah yeah so like we're where we are right here here in Ohio, we're one of the top five aquifers in the nation and 20 feet down is water. And then 50 feet and you've got as many gallons, like we're going to be pulling hundred gallons a minute here from the well we're putting in. Um, wow, and 
Yeah, <laughs> so. it's it's yeah, it's very different than. And but here's the thing: three miles away, there's no water to be found. It's because we're in this uh, this Miami Valley aquifer. So that was one of the things that we, you know, when we were looking for land, we were like, we need to have unlimited water. And so that's why this checked the box. Sure. That's awesome. But um, yeah, I mean, municipal water in one aspect is great because you, you know, you never have to think about maintenance and stuff. It just shows up and you open any tap and there it is. Um, Do you treat or try to like um, get the the chlorine out at all? Um, Yeah, we would... That's definitely one thing I'd like to figure out because actually mm. in the field itself, it's no problem at all. It's just yeah. get flush with rain and it's that's yeah. not an issue. But in the, uh, in the greenhouses, we, you know, we do a, an annual soil test on, everywhere mm-hmm. we grow. And we've definitely found that the salt levels in our uh, greenhouses have been going up. Mm. So we're getting creative on, on how we can um, kind of mitigate that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, one of the things is like every, every five or seven years when we have to change the plastic, maybe we just take the plastic off the greenhouses and hopefully get a, mm-hmm. a few good rains, hope, hopefully flush it all yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, are you, what fertilizers are you using like uh, uh, manure based fertilizers? Yeah. All manure based compost. Uh, yeah. We do use like gypsum and azomite. Uh, yeah. But for the most part, just manure based compost. If you can switch to more like, let's say like an alfalfa meal or um, even like the feather meals and stuff are going to have less salts than let's say your poultry litters and poultry. Yeah. Awesome. So, so that might be something I've never really seen a huge one, one, one fertility we love is leaf compost. Um, you cannot put enough leaf compost in with Latham. Don't I'm sure they have leaves are getting rid of. Can you convince them to dump some leaves at your farm? Absolutely. Actually, we, yeah. we worked with uh, a lot of the local, um, landscapers around here yeah uh, always looking for places to dump otherwise they have to drive all the way down to albany to dump it yeah uh, so we we do a lot of leaf collection in the fall and, and age them and and yeah them awesome and yeah, that's as well that's fabulous those are the best lots and lots of mulch we are all about the mulch yeah yeah cool um what else would you like to share with us anything else you want to share about the farm the team running a farm Mm, let's see here. I did make some notes. Um, Favorite tools? Yeah, I, well, I guess. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about uh, our equipment. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, on our main vegetable plot, we actually divide it in half. Uh, one half is all done with a tractor, so uh, cultivating and bed, no, the, the bed shaper and everything, all pulled by a tractor. Um, and then the other half is all permanent beds. So, uh, I think it's really cool to observe and, and take part in both of those, uh, ways of farming and, mm-hmm. uh, see the, the pros and cons. We still do a rotation of all the produce between the, between the two ways. Uh, mm-hmm. but I think it's really, really cool to see the two, two types of farming kind of right next to each other, literally. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. And tell us about what are you observing? Well, uh, this is our third, we're going into our third season for like the uh, reduced till or no till, how, you know, permanent bed type of farming. Um, and so we're still figuring out the best way to, you know, keep the weeds down, but it's amazing uh, the weed pressure that we get in the uh, tractor beds just by turning the soil uh-huh. uh, every, every, uh, every season. Um, compared to our permanent beds, uh, where we use a lot of, like you said, leaf mulch mm-hmm. um, in, in rows and in the walking paths, uh, a lot of compost. Um, and so, yeah, the, the weed pressure in, in the tractor side is like hands, hands down, uh, you know, amazingly more uh, prevalent than in the uh, no-till yeah. permanent beds. Now with the no-till, what are you, are you doing like just um, like broad forking and tilting or compost or? Exactly. Yeah. Broad forks. Uh, we just got a tilter yeah, this, this year. So we're giving that a whirl. Um, and yeah, just a lot of compost. Every time we uh, flip a bed, more compost goes in um, and then tilter and seed right into order transplant. 
and uh, it's it's been working out really well. I, and it's really cool that the way that we have it set up. Um, our tractor beds are 150 feet long, mm -hmm. and then uh, our permanent beds are we we do 50 foot beds um, mm -hmm. succession, and so that many more beds gives us a lot more flexibility in the permanent beds, mm -hmm. um, you know, where we can move stuff around the crop rotation, stuff like that. It makes it much more complex too, I think, mm -hmm. uh, but, but gives us a lot more flexibility as far as rotating and things and successions. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so with, um, with the tractor, are you doing uh, the biodegradable mulch with drip tape underneath or? Yeah, exactly. We we um, we work with the company Rainflow. I think they're out of mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're an awesome company. Love working with them. Um, we we have their uh, mini layer, twenty four hundred mini layer, mm -hmm. um, that we pull behind a uh, Farmall sixty five A, and yeah, it lays down the biodegradable plastic film, uh, shapes the bed, and lays down the drip drip line. Mm -hmm. All in one pass. So it's super, super efficient. I can lay down a bed and a uh, 150 foot long bed in less than 10 minutes and go to the next one. So it's really quick. Um, but, you know, the, again, the downside is if you, one solid rain you get, and then you're mm -hmm. going to get weeds like you can't believe. And we, we've tried some different things. We've tried straw uh, in the walking paths in between each bed. Um, we're trying a, a, a weed mat this year. Mm -hmm. uh, Every year we try to invest in something that we hope makes our lives a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. um, so this year it, we're trying out the weed map. And, we're, and cool. so far it looks good so far, but yeah, it's early. It's early. Yes, yeah. still early. Well, thank you, John, so much for your time for coming on today. Appreciate you sharing your um, the farm. It's it's fabulous what you guys are doing. I love the intersection between the the, the bakery, you know, the, the prepared food side of things and the actual farm. And uh, obviously seeing that you're in Latham there, you know, after I'm very familiar with is, is very cool. So thank you yeah, so much for sharing today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's it a pleasure. This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I've purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. So there you have it. Another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.